Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, and verses 1 and 2. And he, the Lord Jesus, entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, which was, of course, Capernaum. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, or good courage, thy sins be forgiven thee. That's something to cheer, cheer about, isn't it? Luke, Gospel, chapter 23, and we're at the cross. And he's on the cross. Our Lord Jesus is on the cross. That awful place. That awful day. Never a day like it. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and verse 39. And one of the malefactors, or the thieves, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Now notice the if. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today, today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Turn over over to Acts chapter 1, please, for our last reading, just one verse. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Our Lord Jesus is speaking. Last words just before he ascended up into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father where he still is and will be until he bursts the clouds someday soon and comes again. Is one of the last words to his people and to us. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come unto you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea 
and in Samaria and on to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we know that the Lord will bless his own precious word. You needn't turn to these scriptures, but in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 3, 4, and 5, the Apostle Paul lists and enumerates 19 things that will mark the last days of this dispensation. Days that will hasten, these days in which we're in, that will hasten in the eminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. That word perilous is only used in one other place. It means exceedingly fierce. Used in the story of the demonics. When no man could pass by because of the state that the place was in with these demons, they were exceedingly fierce. That's the only other place that that word is used. And then he goes on with those enumerations and he says, the people of the last days will be covetous. They'll be boasters and blasphemers, lovers of pleasure and not lovers of God. Men and women will change their natural affection. Sodomy. Bisexuality. Transgenderism. And we're bombarded with it. Almost every day. And our children in the school seem to hear so much about all this. These are the last days of this dispensation. We were warned by Jesus, we were warned by Paul, we were warned by Peter, but God's people don't seem to take warnings. But then he goes on to the 10th one of the 19, and he says, truce breakers. Someone or someones who signs a contract who enters into some surety or agreement or promise and fails to keep it. Truce breakers. We never lived in a day when there was such mistrust, insecurity, broken vows. And perfect example of that is marriages. Courts are inundated with divorce settlements. Marriage contracts are made null and void every hour of the day. And children are being thrown to the wolves. Some weekends they go to the father. Some weekends they go to the mother. Some weekends they go to the grandfather. And some weekends they go to the grandmother for they're separated too. God help these children. They don't know where they live and they don't know who they are. Missing marriages, truce breakers. And then we have it in the business 
world. Thousands of contracts are entered into daily. Syndicates and employers and they're broken sometimes before the ink is dry on the paper. The civil courts can't cope with it all and barristers are making millions. Then, of course, you have it in government. And the Brexit protocol was one, one powerful example lately where both Brussels and Boris Johnson signed it and stamped it, knowing when they did it, that they never intended to keep it. God help us with liars and deceivers. There's an old adage that we use, and we keep it in the marriage vows here, because the marriage vows that we have here are different from some other places. My word is my bond. And it doesn't mean very much now. Truth speakers, deceivers. But the greatest truth speaker and the greatest deceiver has yet to come. The Antichrist. That's the spirit of Antichrist, John says, that's already working. It's already working. And all those things that I mentioned, it's working. It's paving the way for the man of sin to step onto the scene. And he's going to step onto the scene once the church goes. He's alive and well somewhere. And he's dressed in a suit and he has a briefcase and he's full of knowledge and he's full of education. He's, he's the smartest man apart from the Lord that ever walked on the scene of time. He's the devil incarnate. And he's going to sign a peace treaty with the Jews for seven years and in three and a half years he's going to break it. And all hell's going to be broke loose. And What a wonderful study if you want to study it. Once the church is raptured he shall appear and he'll sign the peace treaty and there'll be peace. And once the three and a half years is in Daniel tells us he's going to break it he's going to smash it and he's going to turn to be a different man. He'll be the devil let loose. I'm glad I'll be away. Bad enough as it is. I'm bad enough with the time of the devil now without then being then. If you want to go through the tribulation, you go through it. But I want to speak to you this morning. That's doom and gloom. And I'm, I'm a preacher of doom and gloom, I'm told. But I want to speak to you this morning on one who never broke a covenant, a promise. And one who never will. One who cannot lie. One who cannot deceive. The irrevocable Christ. I'm going to get that phrase again. The irrevocable Christ. A husband that never jilts. A lover that never leaves. A friend that never abandons, forsakes or betrays. The Lord Jesus Christ, our faithful high priest. Faithful is he that calleth thee, and he will do it. The great and gracious, merciful and terrible God, all in one phrase, who keepeth his covenant. I believe that we have here in these three simple readings this morning, we have, we have here 
three powerful, maybe three of the most powerful promises our Lord Jesus ever gave. That's saying something. The first one is to the man in Matthew chapter 9. To the man dying with paralysis and palsy who was brought by the four men. Here's what he said to him. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. I tell you, do you know what that word, that word means? It means to, thy sins be forgiven thee. Thy sins depart, disappear from thee. Leave, abandoned forever. You believe that this morning, believe. You'd be rejoicing. You'd be cheering. Be it known, men and brethren, through this man is preached unto you, the forgiveness of sins. Boys, I'm living in the good of it for 50 years. He didn't come back to this man a few days after, a few weeks after, and say, listen, I, did, I, I forgot to tell you that some of your sins are not gone. He didn't come back to him in a year time and saying, I'm changing my mind. He can't change his mind. You either believe him or you don't. You either believe your sins are forgiven. You either believe they're cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness. You either believe that your transgressions thrown up in a bag and cast into the sea, in the depth of the sea, never to be remembered more. You either believe it or you don't. And if you want to live in the past sin, then live in it. You'll never be in a prayer meeting. You'll never be in a prayer meeting. You'll never pray. You'll never cry to God in the prayer meeting. You'll never lift your hand in the prayer meeting. How can you if you believe that there's still sin in your life after you get saved? Can't do it. You either believe God or you don't. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And friends, it's not only the sins that we commit every day with the yes on it, but the sin. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin. That's the inherent Adamic nature, the root. God goes to the root. And when he nails the root, he'll nail the fruit. My sin, know oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. Be of good cheer this morning. For I can tell you there's little to cheers out there. If you don't praise the Lord yourself and praise the Lord around the family altar and get into fellowship with God's people, you'll die, you'll die, mind, if you don't get into the fellowship. You don't get into these meetings at night and get in with the people and start praising, start praying, start enjoying the gospel. No matter what it costs at home, no matter what it costs in your job, surely one of you, the family, can come. There's nothing to cheer us out there, let me tell you. Reading the newsletter the other day, it scared the life of you to see the witches at, at Hillsborough Castle, the seat of government. Scarecrows all over the place. They're going to march round, they're going to march round dressed up in demonic, in, 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 in demonic uniform and, and in witches' gowns. They're going to march round it on Halloween and, and, and pray, and pray for the, for, for the land and pray for the crops. Well, the people of God can't come out to pray. 
What is our land coming? Ulster buses doing the same thing in Derry for three days. They're painting up the Ulster buses in, with witches on them and the drivers and others in the buses are putting on all the witches' covers and they're driving around Derry as if the devil's not bad enough in that city. God help us. I get angry, holy, indignant. And I have a right to because my Lord is vexed this morning. The British Airways girl in British Airways starting off on a flight one morning there a week or so ago. She says, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And a plaint went up the next day. I'm not a lady and I'm not a gentleman and I have no right to be called that. I need to get a, I need another name. I need another toilet. I need another school. I need another passport. That's where we are, my friend. There's nothing to cheer us out there this morning. And if your sins are not forgiven, you have nothing to cheer about. If you're not on your way to heaven, you have nothing to cheer about. What do you want to put on this morning, son? Mother said to her boy, you want to put on the blue rugby top or the pink blouse and tights? Oh, give me a minute, Matthew, see. See what I am. don't know what I am yet. God help us. Boys, I was said to my mother, take your time to see. You've nothing else to put on, only one thing anyway. Boys, I went into school, Mrs. Bigler. She had an arm on her like a JCB. She never had, she ne- Mrs. Bigley, Mrs. Bigley never had to do that. All Mrs. Bigley had to do was let the hand drop. And she had a ruler in it and she, she turned the edge of the ruler. And the first day I went, I was to school when I was four. 1950, I went to school, that was the bad year. Walked a mile and a half, maybe two miles, down a lane first of all, and then down a big hill. With the rest of them, four years of age. And I, I, I was rebellious from the start. I got in and I sat, turned around the other way with me back to the blackboard and me back to her. I wasn't long turning around. And she came in with this big ruler boy with the edge of it down and she just let the hand drop. You wouldn't have got the finger out of the road as I took it off. And then she used to send them out when some of them done something and said something, she used to send them out to cut a stick for them, cut the stick. To debate them with. And the boys used to thought they were smart and they brought in a wee thin boy and that's the worst boy you could bring in. And then some of the other boys brought a big thick boy. And if it wasn't the right shape, she'd send you out again. You're, you're going out to bring your own gun to kill yourself. And she'd have hammered you. I would like to say, going into Mrs. Bigley and said, tell you, Miss Big, I don't know what I am today. Shouldn't tell you. And she'd tell you what you were. That's the day we're living in. That's the day we're living in. All we can cry and all we can say this morning is, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. If ever we needed to cry to God for our land and for our children, or we children, we need to cry today. What have they been taught in school? What is it going to end up at? And all manner of sins is forgiven. Talk to a woman. All manner of sin, that came to me. And talk to a woman who I knew many years ago. 
her husband and her father, her husband and her husband's father were killed on the one morn by the terrorists. I happened to know quite a bit about that situation. And I was talking to her one day and she said, you know, nobody was ever got for that. An old broken widow. But she said, a couple of years ago I got a letter. Two words. Forgive me. Forgive me. Yes, it wasn't much consolation, but it was some. Now, that was a true, honest repentance and forgiveness of a man that was probably dying. Then the merciful Lord would hear it. I tell you, my friends, when he says your sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. But not only has he covenanted and promised and sealed the pardon of sins and he'll never change it, he'll never revoke it, he'll never turn it, he'll never be lost again. How could you be? But in Acts 1 and 8, he has covenanted something powerful too. Power for service. Listen, listen, believer, what he says now. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now, the context here is the disciples and those with them are interested in prophecy. They're not interested in power. Well, not spiritual power anyway. They're interested in the prophetical thing. What's going to happen to the future of Israel? What will happen? What, when will the Jews be returned to their land? When will Israel be delivered? That's the question they were asking. Here's what Jesus answered them. He says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. When your father will come. When, your, when, when the son will come. The Father has that in his own power. But ye, ye shall receive power. Do you know, if Eric Stewart was here every night last week and this week preaching on the Antichrist, 666, the New World Order, Brexit, Britain and the Beast, what I preached on for a fortnight, the place would be packed. Why, you'd get, you'd get out that night. And those nights, you'd get out that night. Oh, I want to hear about 666. I want to hear about the no cash. I want to hear about all this. So interested in prophecy. We're not interested in the power of the Holy Ghost reading your life. Come on now. George Campbell Morgan was one of the most austere men you'd have ever seen. He never smiled. He never smiled on the pulpit. He never cracked a joke. He hardly ever gave an illustration. He just stood up and he preached the word and he filled Westminster Chapel day after day for year after year. Martin Lloyd-Jones took over from him and he was the same. 
When Martin Lloyd-Jones was sitting with George Campbell Morgan in the study one night before Morgan went up to preach and he says to, he says to Martin, he says, Martin, there'll be a big crowd tonight. Why is that, George? I'm preaching on Revelation. There was a big crowd and so there was. How is that? We're all interested in these things. Jesus says, I will give you power. Power. Your business, Jesus says, is to be filled with the Holy Ghost and be witnesses unto me and to take the gospel out. Tell me, did you take an invitation to anybody? Be honest now. Hmm? No, Robert did, and Stephen did, even in one foot. And many others. Did you take an invitation to anybody? Did you now? Come on. Believer. Comes to this. Do you take an invitation to anybody for this mission? Because that's what he saved you to be witnesses unto me and to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, witness of the things that you've seen and heard. Tell me, have you seen anything lately? Have you seen anything, anything that to cheer you up from God lately? Have you heard anything from God? Have you heard from lately? Things that we have seen and things that we have heard. Do you listen to him? Have you, he, the Tozer says, the ears is not to hold your glasses on, you know. Have you heard from him lately? Are you hearing this morning what I'm speaking? Oh, 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 you, oh, I know, you could tell me when you go home, but, but have you really heard? Has it really affected you? Will it affect you this morning? Things that we have seen and heard. John the Baptist, it says, was a burning and he was a shining light. We used to have the old Aladdin lamps long ago and the old Tilly lamps long ago and when they start to run low on oil, the old wick would start to burn and the whole lamp would smoke up. And all would be a flicker. And you had to get that glob off and you had to get the clean rag and you had to clean it. You see, John the Baptist was a burning and he was a shining light. You see, you can have it inside but nothing outside. No sign, no show, no, no evidence. You know, the, you know, I was challenged the other day with a thought that the Lord put into my heart. What, what is the difference? Ask the people some morning. I'm going to ask you this morning. What is the difference now when you claim to be a Christian than you were before you were a Christian? What's the difference now? Come on. Well, let the Lord ask you that this morning. What's the difference before you were saved and now? Go to church on Sunday morning? Well, the chapel's full this morning. Mosques are full this morning. What's the difference? Hmm, well, you had the prayer meeting, at the table, and baptized, and giving out tracts, and praying to God every day, and calling unto God every day. 
What's the difference? He was a burning and he was a shining light. And the light shone out. Shone out. Ye shall receive power. Listen, if you got a phone call from a solicitor in the morning saying, come on in, there's a legacy for you here. Come on in, boy, you'd be in like a shot. And some of your pains and some of your aches and some of your things far worse this morning and if somebody said there's a cure in Belfast, if you go up now, you'd be away like a shot. Boy, you would go. You wouldn't worry about the job that day. You wouldn't worry about the... You'd get somebody to look after children that day. Oh, you'd go. But he says, ye shall receive power. You know what word power is the word they get the word dynamite from? Dynamite. Dynamite, power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is supposed to be the power that worketh in us. Is it evident? Holy Ghost power. He says you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Dynamite. And as I said, maybe in my open prayer or somewhere else, it's inadequate Christianity. It's inadequate if you're just saved and there's nothing else. It's inadequate. Oh, it's good to be saved and it's good to be born again and it's good to be on the way to heaven. But have you the power? Have you the witness? Have you the joy? Have you the life? Are you just depending on a profession you made years ago and there's no change and there's nothing else? There has to be an infilling of the Holy Ghost and there has to be initial filling. I was 10 years saved when I received an initial filling. I had to pray in there this morning. The Lord would fill me this morning. Well, this would be an awful lonely place if the Holy Ghost wasn't with you. An awful place, and it is an awful place of responsibility. We, saw, we sang this morning, power. Power. It'll never be sinless. But power over sin. Power. Didn't we sing it this morning? Well, you sing it. I heard you singing it. Power from lust and temper and greed and pride. Power from criticism. Power from, power from stubbornness. Power from selfishness. We sang a whole list of it this morning. Freedom. Glorious freedom. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost, my friend, and we're living the way God wants us to live, the world and the flesh and the devil would be subject unto us. We wouldn't be dictated to by the devil and he wouldn't scare the life out of us at night or in the morning or any other time. Perfect love casteth out all fear. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, you may say to me this morning, how, how do I, how do I get this, this filling? How do I get this, 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 this power? How do I get this into my life? Well, I'll tell you how you get it. First of all, you have to recognize that you need it. If you're happy the way you are, you just stay the way you are. If you, if you want to stay where you are, stay where you are. If you're happy then, I can do nothing about that. 
But if you see this morning, I have a need for something more. I have a need to have a desire for the prayer meeting. I have a need to have a desire to witness. I have a need to have a desire to let go of these old things that are hindering me and holding me back. This old stuff that's keeping me back and keeping me away from the prayer meeting, keeping me away from the quiet time and causing rows in our home. I want to get away from all that. You have to recognize that you have a need, my friend. And once you recognize you have a need, then you need to confess it and repent of it. That's number two. And then you have to ask honestly and definitely and desperately and say, Lord, fill me. And then you have got to believe that he's able to do it by faith. And then you receive him. Faith is the hand of the soul that reaches out. Jesus says, if ye be evil, he says, if you're evil, and we are all, this heart is deceitful, and of all things desperately wicked. Jesus says, if ye be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. I often use the illustration when Jonah was a wee child, and still he's 19. You know, that boy came to me, and he says, Grand, I want a drink. Grand, I'm thirsty. And I said, go away, you boy, you're getting no drink. I'm hungry, you get away, you're getting no food. Wouldn't it be an awful, cruel grandfather? Or the wee fella like that, or any fella, or any girl, or anybody. Jesus says, if ye be evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more, how much more, how much more will he not give the Holy Spirit unto them that ask him? You know, these rooms should be full this morning. After this message, should be full. I've done everything I could this morning not to preach here this morning. If ye be evil, and you be sinful, know how to good give gifts unto your children. You'll dress them and you'll feed them and you'll die for them. He says, How much more? Will I not give the Holy Spirit unto them that ask? He never broke a promise of the pardon of sins. He never broke a promise of power for service. Thirdly, and lastly, and I'm soon over, a paradise for saints. He'll never break that promise. He said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's an irrevocable promise from the lips of God. And the moment and the day and hour that you got saved and you asked the Lord into your heart and you really and you genuinely were saved, you're on your way to heaven. He has promised that. He says, he or she, you see, uh, some in the meeting this morning that we led to the Lord back here, and the one of the texts would lead, he or she that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's his promise from God. I'll not cast you out. And if you came honestly and repenting, and when you came, you came. No matter what has gone on in your life after that, no matter whether you've disobeyed him, no matter whether you've done all sorts of things, he, he made that promise and he'll not break that promise. He's, a, he's not a truce breaker. He said to this man, he says, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise, irrevocable promise. 
And my friend, if the thief got in when he was on the cross, you'll get in after the cross. For rising, he justified us. The covenant promise of an eternal God from the dying lips of a dying Savior was today, you'll be with me. Do you think he wasn't with them when that day was over? Do you think he told them a lie like they're telling us? Now, in closing, why did this thief get in and the other boy didn't? And then a message you've heard on the thief. Did you ever hear this? And I'll tell you where the other boy didn't get in. I'm talking to you that are not saved now this morning. I'll tell you where the other boy didn't get in. He doubted. Neither doubt or damned. Because here's what he says. If thou be the Christ. You see, he's iffy. He's full of doubt. He doesn't believe. There's no faith there. If. He'll never get saved talking like that, let me tell you. If thou be the Son of God. This is unbelief. That's why he matched it up with the other thief. This was unbelief. This was the fear and unbelief of the eight of the things that take men and women to hell. We read in, in, at the judgment seat of Christ in Revelation 21, he goes through a list of things Paul says, and the first two are the fearful and the unbelieving. He says the whoremongers are next, and the murderers are next, and the sorcerers are next, and the idolaters are next. But the fearful and the unbelieving will have their place in the lake of fire. If you have any doubt this morning that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you have any doubt that he died on the cross of Calvary for your sins and he rose on the third day, if you have any doubt that he was God's only Son sent into this world to save sinners, if you have any doubt at all about that, you'll never be saved. Because the other boy hadn't a bit of doubt about that. And how he believed in the state that he was in and the other boy was in, I don't know. And, and the Lord Jesus was in, I don't know. Listen to what the other boy says. He says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. When thou comest back to set up your king. Your kingdom, he hasn't done that yet. He's coming, the king's coming. This fellow could see away from the cross, away past where we are today. He was no more like a king, the Lord Jesus, than than I'm like one. He was no more like a king. He was stripped naked. He was hammered on the cross. His, his visage was marred more than any man. And this fellow had the belief to see this is the king. Sure, they said, behold the man. Why did they say behold the man when the master men before bed? They said behold the man because he was no more like a man. His, his whole face was marred and then pulped. And this boy says he's the king. I tell you, that was faith. And we, we, you can't believe this morning. And he's off the cross and he's buried and he's rose again. And you see all around you, men. This boy seen nobody, only old soldiers that was cursing and spitting. All he had done was thieve and murder. There were murderers, these thieves. But by faith, he says, I believe. 
He says, I believe. He believed in the saviorhood of Christ. He says, remember me. There's nobody else he knew could do it. He believed in the sinless Christ. This man has done nothing amiss. He he believed in the sovereignty of Christ. He says, Lord. He believed in the second coming of Christ. When thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus says, today, sir. Sir, today. You will birth me in paradise. He's the first in, he's there. Oh, he's there. (laughs) He's in paradise, he's in the glory, he's in heaven. No more death, no more pain, no more sickness, no more treachery, no more tablets. No more terrorists and no more trials and no more twisters and no more truth speakers. With him, with him, for all the countless ages of eternity, with him. Remember he said in John's Gospel, if you die in your sins where I am, you cannot come. You cannot come. If you're in your sins this morning, you can't, you're not going. But those of us who love him and those of us who serve him, oh, I want to give him all that I can in these last few days maybe and weeks that we have, that I have. I might not very long, but I want to give him all that I have. For I'm going to be with him one day. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to see him. I'm going to know him. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be with him all account the countless ages of eternity. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Oh, believer, cheer up this morning. Shout, be of good cheer, your sins. Be of good courage, your sins are forgiven you. And don't let the devil trail them back up again. They're under the blood and let them stay there. Gone, gone, far away. Oh, if only we could get this freedom we were singing about. To be with him throughout all eternity. Will you be there? Will you be there? When you come to the judgment seat of Christ, will you be able to, Altosha says, nobody will be able to look him in the face. I'll not be able to look him in the face. All we'll be able to say, I wish I'd given him more. Eric Stewart was in the lifeboat for two weeks and I never cared whether his soul went to hell or not. I never asked my neighbor. Never came myself. Be too late when you're at the judgment seat. May God help us to have an abundant entrance into his presence and sing glory. And sing the song of the redeemed throughout all eternity.